Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Wednesday's episode of Scripture Uncovered. We left off last time with Joseph being sold into slavery in Egypt. Things could not be worse for Joseph. A slave in Egypt. Oh, a field slave in Egypt in the summertime, 120 degrees, hard work. He didn't live very long. But I have to tell you, Joseph was handsome, he was smart, and he always landed on his feet. So after the story of Judah and Tamar, the little inset, we move to the story of Joseph in Egypt and Potiphar's wife. Now chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials and the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So Joseph didn't become a field slave. No, he works in the house. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And indeed, Potiphar put him in charge of his entire household, and he entrusted to Joseph's care everything he owned. So Joseph is now running the household of Potiphar, captain of the guard. From the time he put Joseph in charge of the household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. He did not concern himself with even the food he ate. Joseph took care of everything. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while... His master's wife took notice of Joseph. So Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. He's now, let's say, 18. Very handsome young man, well-built, an Adonis, if you will. And Potiphar's wife kept an eye on him. She liked him. Well, she lusted for him. And one day, she came into the room when Joseph was there. She winked at him, came up to him, stroked his hair, and said, Come to bed with me. <gasps> Joseph refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. You I, I can't betray him like this. He's trusted everything to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. Now get this. The slave is telling the master's wife that he is the greatest in the house. I think young Joseph has quite the ego. A vain little guy. Handsome though he may be, smart though he may be, 
and shrewd though he may be. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. So how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Never mind, get in really deep trouble. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, she was relentless. She would come into Joseph's bedroom wearing revealing clothing, if anything. And he kept saying, she kept saying to him, Hey, big boy, come to bed with me. Well, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside because Potiphar's wife had them all leave. She gave them the afternoon off. And she caught him by his cloak. Now, remember, Joseph had a coat of many colors. But I'll bet when he got to Egypt, though that coat of many colors was gone, I'll bet he was a dapper dresser. He had a beautiful embroidered robe. After all, he was head of the entire household of the captain of the guard. Well, she caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. Enough of these games. But he left his cloak in her hand and leapt out of the window. Stark naked. She got his cloak. When she saw that he had left the cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called the servants. Help! Help! She screamed. Help! They came rushing in. Look, she said, this, this, this Hebrew has been brought here to make sport of us. He came here to rape me. I screamed, and when I screamed, he leapt out the window. But he left his cloak. She kept the cloak beside her until her master came home. He had a hard day at the office. He came home expecting a nice dinner, everything to be in order as it always had. He said, what in the world happened here? Oh, all the other servants, it's a, a, a madhouse. She said, that Hebrew slave that you brought us came here to make sport of me, tried to rape me. I screamed for help. He left his cloak here. The other servants came in and saved me. Oh, when his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. He trusted Joseph with everything. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. He, and remember, Potiphar is captain of the guard. He runs the prison. And he put Joseph in the deepest, darkest hole in Gitmo in Egypt. And there Joseph sat. While Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I told you Joseph was handsome, smart, and always landed on his feet. He's in the deepest, darkest hole in Getmo, and pretty soon he's running the place. Well, while they're in prison, 
We know that Joseph was a dreamer. His brothers called him the master dreamer. Well, the cupbearer and the baker had dreams. We know that story. And Pharaoh had dreams. When two full years had passed with Joseph in the prison, Pharaoh had a dream. And he was standing by the Nile River. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. And after them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up, up off the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt suddenly turned toward the fat cows, grinned with lion-like fangs, leapt on the fat cows, ripped them to shreds, and ate them. And Pharaoh woke up with a start. Oh, horrible dream. He fell asleep again. He had another dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin, scorched by the east wind. The thin heads stood up straight, turned toward the fat heads, and suddenly, with a cartoon-like grin on each head, and lion-like fangs, they leapt on the fat grains, ripped them apart, and ate them. Pharaoh woke up. Oh, horrible dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today, I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning all its own. And that young man interpreted the dreams, and he was right about both. I think you should call for this young man. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon where he had shaved, changed his clothes, and he came before Pharaoh. Word got to Joseph, Pharaoh wants to see you. He's had a dream. Well, Joseph could see an opportunity for sure. So Joseph shaved. Now Hebrews didn't shave. Hebrews had big bushy beards. That's a sign of manhood. But in Egypt, men shaved. They had smooth skin. Go to the Egyptian museum. Look at the statues. Look at the, at, at the images of the ancient Egyptians. They're all clean shaven. There's only one I know of that's not. And it's a scribe in the Egyptian museum, a statue of a seated scribe with a mustache. But all Egyptians were clean shaven. So Joseph shaves. He put on clean clothes. He had a nice Armani suit brought for him and a nice leather briefcase. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream 
and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you, uh, said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I, I cannot, Joseph replied. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Well, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile when out of the river came seven sleek, fat cows, and he recounts the dream. And Joseph said, It is just as I said to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows. It will be so severe. Now the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it. Now, I suggest Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt. So the country may not be ruined by the famine. That's my recommendation. Well, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all the officials. So Pharaoh asked the officials, can we find anyone better for the job than this young man standing before us? In whom is the Spirit of God? Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to be subject to your orders. Only with regard to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger, dressed him in robes of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck. Why, if you thought the coat of many colors was spectacular, or the embroidered cloak of Potiphar's wife, oh, now it's a royal robe. The signet ring, is the seal of Egypt. That's what the Pharaoh would seal the documents with. And the gold chain is an emblem of authority. Pharaoh had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. Had men shouted before him, make way, make way, as Joseph and Pharaoh came by in the chariot. Thus, he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So Joseph, who had been tossed in the cistern by his brothers as a prank, taken and sold in Egypt as a slave, 
rose in Potiphar's house to manage the whole thing, ended up in prison, and then managed the prison. And now, here he is, second only to Pharaoh in the land of Egypt. And Egypt was the great empire on the face of the earth at the time. He is prime minister of the greatest empire on earth. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath Pena and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. He was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled all throughout the land and carried out the work. So we encountered Potiphar's wife. Oh, a, a woman with a black heart, lusty, nasty woman. But now Joseph is married to the daughter of the high priest of On. He's almost royalty and he's only 30 years old. Two women in Joseph's life contrasts and on goes the story. Well, I, I just love these stories in Genesis, but let's stop there. Uh, we'll move on from Genesis and meet a few more women in the Bible and uh, I'll, I'll pick out some interesting ones for us and we'll get to know them a little better. So here we are at the end, Wednesday. I'll be back again on Friday. I look forward to being with you. Keep me in your prayers. I'll keep you in mine. And see you soon. Bye-bye now.